Tannenbrae. The name Tannenbrae is Latin for shadows or darkness, and this morning we will experience only a small portion of Christ's pain and suffering, the day of his crucifixion. One of the most obvious features of today is the gradual extinguishing of the candles, uh, considered a symbol of Jesus's, of Jesus' remains, and as it gets darker and darker, we will reflect the great emotional and physical pain that was real for Jesus on that day. Toward the end of the gathering, the Christ candle will be extinguished, typifying the apparent victory of the forces of evil over good. At the very end of today, there will be a loud noise symbolizing the earthquake at the time of his death and obviously, eventually, his resurrection. At the moment of the earthquake, the temple veil was torn apart, making the Holy of Holies exposed to public view. And this is understood to represent God's change towards us with direct access to him, no longer requiring the ceremonial acts of the priests for our forgiveness of sin. And so that the hidden candle then is restored to its place, symbolizing the triumph of good over evil, and the forces of hell cannot overcome the light of Christ. And so by the single light, we will all depart this gathering this morning in silence. And we'll ask that you leave the room in silence, return to your cars if possible without even speaking. Because you may want to consider riding all the way home just in silent uh, contemplation. Makes it interesting too, especially if you have children. So Lent is a season of faith. It's a season of inspiration, meditation, atonement, and redemption. It's a time to prepare our hearts to celebrate the risen Savior on Easter. And we pray that this time of reflection on Christ's death will help you understand and appreciate God's extreme love for you and that your Easter celebration will be deeply enriched by it. But first, allow me to pray. God, I ask that you would teach me to mourn. Don't let me rush to Easter Sunday too quickly. Give us grace to linger here in the place where sorrow meets redemption. Make your death as real to me as your resurrection and keep us always near the cross. And as we wait at the foot of the cross, God, reveal to us again the costliness of our sins don't let us live in an imaginary world where Easter's happy ending makes my selfishness irrelevant. Remind us that your all-consuming grace came at a highest price and forgive us for the times that we've lived as if sin is no big deal, as if Bad Friday never really happened. Fill us with the joy and sorrow and reverence and gratitude that befit a Bad Friday funeral. Joy for your victory, but sorrow for your death. Reverence for your holiness and gratitude for your grace. Don't let us settle for just one of those emotions at the expense of others. Give us a heart big enough to hold them all in tension. Make us bold enough to search after a truth that is really true and not a truth that easily fits into the palm of our hands. God, give us eyes to see the triumph of the cross. That even when all seems lost, even as we mourn your death, remind us that you conquered the grave by sneaking inside of it and unraveling it from the inside out in the midst of defeat and disappointments. Sing songs of victory over us. 
turn our world on its head so we can recognize the upside-down kingdom of God at work. Jesus, you tell us to take up our cross to follow you. I think today, more than ever, we remember what a weighty invitation that is. You won by dying, and it's only by dying that I can follow in your footsteps. It's only by dying that I'll ever truly come alive. And so, God, for me and everybody here, teach us to mourn and to celebrate your death. Then take us by the hand. Lead us into our own death and teach us to mourn and celebrate that too, I pray. In your name. Amen. On this morning, we gather to remember. We open our hearts, we open our minds to relive the pain and victory which have become for us the doorway to the eternal. We recognize the shadows which encroach on every life and meditate on that one moment in history when the shadows seem to extinguish the light entirely. We come in awe. We come in worship. For the darkness has never and will never overcome the light revealed in the human life and death of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord Jesus, light of the world, we come to your table confessing the darkness within us. We come simply because you are merciful and you have filled our hearts with light. We come to eat this bread, to drink this wine, and to be changed. Let your presence, which fills us through this meal, cast out all shadows and keep us in your light forever. And so, let us recollect the last meal that Jesus shared with his friends. On the night of his agony and arrest, the followers of Christ gathered with him around a supper table. As they were eating, he took a loaf of bread and he said to them, This is my body, broken for you. Take and eat this and remember me. At this time, we're going to eat the bread. So I'm just going to invite you just to remain seated at your seats and we will have servers who will be coming to your row. And as the bread tray is passed to you, I just ask you to partake at your seat and just pass on to the person next to you. And when everyone's completed, we'll come back and partake of the wine. Also, if you, you are looking for a gluten-free option, um, just please lift your hand and our servers will be able to get that to you as well. Thank you. In Christ alone, my hope is found. My strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. Come. 
was complete, he took the cup of wine and he said to them, this is my blood shed for you. Take and drink this and remember me. And so the same way in which we passed out the bread to you, we will bring the cup to you. And I just encourage you just to partake at your seat and just pass it along. But in this moment, let us remember his blood that was shed for us that day.
And so we do this now and always in grateful and loving memory of the one who gave himself for us. I'm not sure when it happened, but things changed somehow. At first, he was strong, confident. I mean, even outspoken. I had such high hopes. I mean, finally, we had a leader who could throw off the Romans. But just when the time was right, at the height of his popularity, he withdrew. He became quiet, almost introspective. So I thought perhaps a bit of a push might help him to reach for greatness. You know, I'd pass on a bit of information about his movements, make a little on the side for myself, but then... Watch him rise to victory when they came for him. Only it didn't work out like that. He let them take him. You will betray me one day, Judas, he said to me. I wonder how he knew. I thought I had been so discreet. I didn't expect things to turn out the way they did. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, Lord, have mercy.
as wounds each one the chosen bring me sons to a unique boy, my nephew, cousin to my sons, James and John, but more a friend to them, really, and to me. He was always caring, always serving, always putting others first. I remember when I asked him if my boys could sit on thrones with him in his kingdom, one on his left and one on his right. He said to me, the great ones in God's kingdom are the ones who serve. Even I have come to serve and to lay down my life. I felt rather humbled that day. It's incredible that in his time of agony, praying all alone, the ones he served so well couldn't serve him in return, not for one short hour. There they were, my boys and Peter, asleep, while Jesus cried and sweated blood. And none of the others of us were any better either. Alone he prayed, take this cup from me, but not my will, Father. Yours be done. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
dark day. We didn't expect those terrible things. Perhaps we should have foreseen it, prepared for it. Maybe then we would have reacted differently and stood with him through it all. But we didn't understand. So there we were, Peter, James, and me, fast asleep, oblivious to his pain. When suddenly he's waking us up and there's Judas and lights and swords and soldiers, and they're arresting Jesus. We stood no chance. And we were terrified. And so we ran away, all of us, and we left him there to face their sword, his swords alone. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
What was I thinking? I expected so much more from myself. Oh, at the table, it was easy to be brave and bold. When Jesus talked about being betrayed and arrested and dying, I was angry and protective. I'll fight for you, I said. I'll die for you. I thought he was just frightened and emotional when he said, No, Peter. Before the rooster crows, three times you will deny me. Deny him? I hardly thought it was possible. But that was then. And now I know it's true. When it finally came down to it, I couldn't fight for him. I couldn't die for him. I couldn't even answer three questions honestly. Yes, I know him. Yes, I follow him. Yes, I believe in him. And as they led him away, he looked at me. Those eyes. I expected to see anger. But there was only love. In his eyes, there was only ever love. Lord, have mercy. 
Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. about my devotion to Jesus, but it's easy to understand, really. I lived with accusations all my life. Adulterer, prostitute, madwoman, evil, possessed. They said it all, and more. And much of it was true. But Jesus, he didn't accuse, he didn't judge, he didn't make any demands or require anything. For the first time, someone saw past all the pain and brokenness to my soul and gave me the freedom I longed for. Of course I was devoted. Ironic that the one who accepted and included all without accusations should be forced to hear the lies about himself, should stand alone and face all those pointed fingers. the one whose only crime was acceptance, sentenced to death on the force of false accusations by the ones he sought to love and heal. Lord, have mercy. 
Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray. Somehow, I've developed a reputation for doubting questioning. A little unfairly, I think. Although I do confess to being confused and uncertain, especially in the end. I mean, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, the whole nation was eating out of the palm of his hand. Then suddenly, they were yelling, crucify him. With all his power, he just, he just stood there. And when the soldiers mocked him, he took it all. They stripped him of his clothes, torn by the terrible flogging, and pretended to worship him like king, wearing a crown of hard Judean thorns. They hit him, they spat on him, they tore out his hair and his beard. How was I to understand it? He could have just 
snuffed them out in a heartbeat. But he didn't. He just let them mock. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Should I have known that moment would come? There had been death threats from when he was a baby. And he'd spoken about his death more than once. Maybe I should have seen it. But nothing can prepare a mother to watch her child die. I don't know how I made it through that day. My son, contempt to crucifixion. The slowest and most agonizing death executed with criminals, my son who had done nothing wrong. And in the midst of it all, he forgave them, forgave all of us. And then he cried out, it is finished. 
And as I watched that last breath leave his body, it was as though I was dying up there. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
I was unprepared for Jesus' death, I was completely astounded by what would follow. You are dismissed.